Hi fellow sustainability practitioners and followers. How are you doing today? Hi Tanya. Hi Kinshu. How are you celebrating the end of work from home for yourself? I didn't realize that something you could celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> But I guess I'm celebrating it more by staying at home over the weekends. <laughs> Jokes aside, I think um, the combination of back to office and uh, city traffic has definitely made me more disciplined about uh, waking up early. That's a sad byproduct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you were talking about that movie, right? The Elephant Whisperers. I haven't had a chance to see it, but many people are talking about it, and I've heard it from many other people. What, what do you think? Like, what is the most interesting aspect of the movie as for you? And are you wholeheartedly recommending that all our listeners watch it yeah definitely i mean it's a it's a tiny documentary and i just chanced upon it it was an i think a netflix recommendation for me and i put it on while having dinner one night so it's i think 35 40 minutes so essentially how just exactly fits exactly with your dinner time yeah watch it if you know i had a very tiring day and the documentary just It was so heartwarming and it was such a happy documentary. There was nothing um serious about it. There was nothing heavy about it. It just made me so happy to watch it. it it's about this uh, old couple in uh, Mudumalai Tiger Reserve who take care of and bring up orphaned baby young elephants. And I think it's something about uh, how the movie shows the bond between the wild and human beings uh, right or how you can be happy with being in the midst of nature and with so little material things in life also I, it put the movie puts you in a different space altogether and changes i mean puts you in a happy mood at the end of it so definitely watch it and uh, it's not much of a time investment also okay so that's the recommendation for everyone if you haven't watched the elephant whisperers already then uh, do so in fact you just moved to bangalore right so how, how is the is the waste segregation different there like how does it work like so um i mean i moved from bombay right so bbmp definitely has stricter regulations around you know every household uh, segregating their dry and wet waste and i'm guessing it's good enough that you know you don't have a lot of organizations like five hour cycle right in bombay uh, you don't have these weekend dry waste pickups coming to your home and collecting your driveways that you've probably stored over a couple of weeks right so that doesn't happen in bangalore so that way i'm assuming that because bbmp does it quite efficiently there is not much of a need that people sees over here but i've also heard people say that in societies or in households that who do not segregate their waste uh, very well everyday waste collectors the garbage trucks that come by still accept the mixed waste So I am not hundred percent confident of my waste reaching the right streams. So what I personally do is I still do keep doing what I've been doing in Bombay for the last few years. I still segregate and uh, store my dry waste separately, and um, every couple of months I go and drop it off with this uh, at this place called India Wasted in Indiranagar. channelize the waste back into the correct recycling streams we actually got a message also which is that you have to segregate waste otherwise you know there will be penalties which is good which means it came from the bmc but i don't know what is the execution level there 
But anyway, the, this MLP problem, right? I mean, MLP not getting recycled and you never know what is happening to it. That is a big problem. And, and, and no matter what you do, that is something which is still left unrecycled. So when you send, actually, yeah, you are the queen of recommendations if I look at it that way. Like you sent me that uh, sunglass made from MLP waste. Right. And, and that led to me contacting Anish. So, yeah. How did you find that? So this friend of mine sent me the link. I think Anish had or Ashaya had posted that same day about the launch of their sunglasses made from MLP. And I was really excited um, immediately because I, I know how big of a problem MLP is. And the fact that every processed food product comes in MLP packaging because you can't do it otherwise for shelf life constraints, for um ensuring that there's no microbial growth on the product you can't wish it away and that's a very very real big problem that we have today and so if somebody is doing something about it and not just waiting you know for a day when mlp doesn't exist but already treating uh, what is already there that's great and um, i i thought we should definitely have him on our podcast no, that was a great idea. And, and while I messaged Anish, I was also Anish, founder of Ashaya. I was also doing some research on my own on what is unsustainable about current glasses, right? Of course, they are not about making sunglasses and it's a concept product, but still I wanted to understand. And it turns out that 80% of the material is getting wasted because, you know, it's made of cellulose acetate largely and that's a form of plastic and that because of the shape, like you have to drill those two holes to create space for the eyes and which actually ends up wasting a lot of the material and that gets thrown away. So, 80% of the regular material is actually wasted and uh, to keep the frames tight, you have to put plastic, instead of lenses, you put plastic, right? So, again, that's a waste. Uh, but customer doesn't see it because when it reaches the store and it's about to be bought, uh, you know, put on display, then it's removed. But yeah, so I was like, wow, I mean, a great idea to mix the two together, right? Something which creates 80% waste and take MLP, which is mostly wasted and create sunglasses out of that. A brilliant idea. So yeah, so that's, he's our guest for the day. So let me just introduce Anish. Anish uh, Malpani is the founder of Ashaya, a social enterprise focused on the value of increasing the value of waste through deep tech. He has worked across sectors and countries and he's putting his experience of social impact space in several countries into Ashaya. So must be a great organization. I'm very excited about what he's trying to build. What is his view on social impact? So uh, yeah, let's hear it right from him and let's go and meet him. Hey Anish, thanks a lot for joining Sustainably Yours. We are a podcast that wants to spread awareness about initiatives in the climate change space and waste management space so that people are more aware and consumers choose wisely and choose better products so thanks a lot for taking time out we love what you're doing at ashaya and it's great to meet you yeah thank you for having me excited to talk to you guys and yeah hopefully it's a fun conversation welcome anish i was very excited to stumble across your uh, post in your page recycled mlp can be a game changer can you talk about how you started and when you realize that this can actually succeed for you it was a long journey. It wasn't one of those things that, yeah, I was walking on the street and I saw like a packet of chips. And I was like, oh, I have to recycle these. No, it was definitely not that. It was a lot more calculated, right? When I was like, yeah, I want to work in the waste management space. I spent the first 
six to eight months to a year researching the space. I said, like, where is the problem? What are the issues? And while researching the space, we came across the MLP problem, the metallized multilayered plastic problem. And it seemed like all the people that were working in waste, like, this is a big problem. And then nobody wanted to work on it because it was too hard. So it was one of those things like, oh, it sucks. But like, nobody's there to do anything about it. I'm like, but what about you? Or like, you know, so, so nobody seemed, because it was really hard. It was a very like difficult problem to solve. So I'm like, hey, if we really want to make a difference, we need to work on stuff that isn't actually a problem. Because we were entering the space as a quote unquote recycler to solve the problem, not to make money. Right. And I think that's a different perspective. Like if I wanted to make money from recycling and then get the plot, it's oh, recycling and because it's easy, right? It's easy ways to make money in recycling. And it's a good way to make money because, you know, you're doing good for the environment, but then you have forced to do the easy stuff. The MLP is hard. So you would never do MLP to make money. So we were the only idiots who wanted to work on this is what I'd like to say. <laughs> no, but th- that's very interesting, Anish, because we hear from everyone that MLP is either burnt or goes into those brick making factories and nothing is basically extracted from MLP. So what is it which is so special about what you're doing in terms of recycling, which others haven't got to so far? So I think, again, I think everybody wants to do this, right? Like, because one of the biggest issues with recycling in general is the quality of the material and the consistency of it, right? And even with like high quality mono materials like HDP, Harpic bottles or Bistlery bottles, even getting regular quality is is hard, right? Uh, so with MLP, it's like close to impossible. So what current solutions generally do, yeah, they burn them, but even the ones that are kind of like making pellets or making like a pallets or making bricks or uh, furniture or panels, they don't extract materials out of MLP. They just take the MLP and they either add cement or binders or just sometimes just extrude it in its own way to make pellets or to make final products or the final application. And again, I, these are good solutions like because none of this, barely anything is recycled, right? So I don't want to hate on any of these. True. Like it's better mm-hmm. to do these things than to not do them. But what we're doing differently is that we're extracting materials from MLP because the problem with MLP is that it has three to five different types of materials and they're inconsistent. So a chips packet is different from a chocolate wrapper, is different from the atta bag, is different from like the milk packet and they all kind of sometimes get mixed together, right? And that's so that your, your input is very inconsistent. So what we have done is we have found a way to extract materials from this mix of MLP. We don't discriminate. We're not like, ye mat do. just like, we're like, just give everything to us. That's like number seven that nobody's recycling. Mm-hmm. And we're able to get consistent material out of it because we've built our process in such a way that we extract the materials. And it's, I mean, there's a catch, right? It's not cheap. It's like right now it's more, ex- it's a, it's an expensive process. It's a complex process. We have filed our first patent. We're about to file our second patent. So it, these are complex processes. And I think there's very little incentive for people to do them because there's no money. It's like it's hard to make money from true, it, right? True, and true, there's true. high R&D costs as well. So, so so we're lucky. We've made the leap of trying to work on this with the notion that we want to solve this problem in a way that is better than the current solutions and focus on high quality material on a regular, on a consistent basis. And that's why sunglasses was really important, right? Like sunglasses, we wanted to be able to show the properties of our material because sunglasses isn't going to solve the chips packet problem. It's very much like a, you know, it's a marketing play. To some extent, it's a way to show off our material properties but yeah so i think that's what we do different from from everybody else understood that's very interesting let's discuss what happens you have worked across you know us and dubai and other places as well so how does the recycling infra there compare to the recycling infra of india is mlp better recycled there and how does it compare 
So no, I think, I mean, the recycling problem, India is very good at recycling. One of the best recyclers in the world is India, especially with plastic. Like they say 60% of plastic in India is recycled. And even if you can contest that number, it's definitely like between 30 to 60%. The global average of plastic recycling is 9%. So it's much lesser. A lot of the West has notoriously and, you know, historically shipped their waste, plastic waste to different countries. So they kind of, it's much cleaner, like the US and Dubai is very clean, but it's like, you know, you're putting things under the bed or throwing them into the ocean. That's why it's clean, right? Like they don't necessarily have better systems. But again, some of them do, right? Like, and and it's a different angle. So in the developed world, it's all about automation and segregation and waste recycling, like in big, you know, the good recycling plants are very automated. But in India, the reason we have high recycling rates is because we have an informal economy that is incentivized to collect this waste. The reason 60% of plastic in India is recycled is because for waste pickers, it's good money, right? 50% of the income of a waste picker comes from plastic, right? So like, you're like, oh, and that's why they focus on the high quality plastic that has money, that has value, right? And that's how we worked. So our goal was to increase the value of MLP so that waste pickers can pick it up, at least in the short run, right? Which we can talk about later. But in the West, like waste picking doesn't exist as an occupation, right? So for them, it's truly an environmental problem primarily and a resource problem where they can probably, you know, do something with it. Also, there are interesting solutions. Like in Singapore, what they do with MLP is that is they have really good waste to energy plants there. So they, I think they, they burn the MLP and they burn the flexible packaging. All the plastic that they can't recycle gets burned. But they have, they do it in a very good way. Like it's in a controlled fashion. It doesn't release any any gases into the air. They like treat the gases before it's released and they generate energy for it. And they do it as a non-core activity where like, the government runs it. So they're like, we don't have to make this profitable. We just have to make sure we generate some energy. So it can be done well. But like all waste energy plants in India have like failed because of many reasons True. that are not yeah. related to the technology. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I think there are things being done, but I think burning is not the best answer. I think it's an easy answer. Even if you do it well, it's an easy answer. I think there's value in plastic that the material is a good material. They can have many applications. And I think that's, that's my philosophy on, on, on this. Anish, you know, you're speaking of other countries compared to India. So how does the concept of uh, circular economy work there vis-a-vis India at a policy and individual level? And what can these countries learn from each other? So I think the European standard, like, I mean, Europe is always known as like the poster child of like doing this really well. But they have really strong rules about circularity. So I think like, and just generally about recycling and about, you know, I think that you obviously look towards them. But it's surprising. I think India also has good this is like very subjective so don't like you know i hopefully don't get like skewered for this but yeah in india also is trying to be progressive with their policies on plastic waste management i think sometimes too progressive right because the, the scene in india is different from the scene in europe so it's easy to kind of borrow some ideas but like for instance banning plastics as attractive as that sounds is a much more complex matter in an arguably poorer country like as in like you know where more we have the average income in india is lesser it's more complex it is probably more affordable for the dhabawala downstairs to use single-use plastic right then for him or her to use thalis you know or metal plates or or any or maybe even high quality um even paper plates sometimes it's not it's not helpful and apna khana bhi, indian food also is like full of masala and stuff so like you know it's not like the paper plates are like not always the best solution so it's, it's i think it's you need to be it's more nuanced so in, i think waste is very much a local problem which i think people need to get like it's not a i mean as much as it's a global problem it's a local issue that is globally present right so you really have to cater to what the situation is on the ground here so i think from a circularity perspective like for instance mlp right one of the things we get like hey anish why are you doing mlp recycling they're going to stop producing mlp soon i'm like 
one that's true <laughs> i probably i mean they should in some way like stop right but like it's not going to happen overnight and what happens to all of the tons of mlp produced in the past right like that still exists and second like i think what people don't understand is that to make multi-layered plastic it's really complex it's really hard it's like you know it's four bad materials fused together each of them have to be generated individually sometimes it's just co-extrusion then there's glue involved it's it's a complex process and it, it serves many functions that are that are really important like it prolongs the life of food and you know people go through the pain of making these for a reason not just to make money like it's your kitkat we love kitkat i love kitkat you know like yeah, the reason that's accessible all over the world is partly because of uh, multi-layer pack- packaging right so i know understanding the holistic thing but no so europe is going towards trying to be more mono material right hey let's not use many materials let's use one material but it's always nuanced because they have rules that say 90% of the packaging should be one material so you'll see now if you look at if you go to the airport pick up a twix bar you'll see now that the back of the twix bar has a number 5 polypropylene which is like oh one one material amazing but when you open it and there's an aluminum layer inside and then you're like are cuz see for a recycler whether it's aluminum is only 2 or 3% that's still an issue right like cuz it destroys it's a fundamentally different material yes we're getting to better policy and better materials but it's still it's still going to take a while and i think we have to really find that right balance between what's good for the environment while also ensuring that the mechanical properties are met to some extent right because this is enabling certain things so it's it's a tricky balance i think no absolutely and in fact you know the benefits of sachet right i mean because of which a poor person can have a 1 rupee sachet of the same product that you know someone who can afford it can buy like a 500 rupees pack that's really important however i mean purely put in numbers i think the poor of the world contribute very little to emissions anyway right i mean it's the- it's so sad you hit the nail right and i think this is such an important concept to understand for sustainability folks in india right is that especially okay people if you care about sustainability in india most likely you are affluent you're some sort of you're well off you're probably english speaking you'll probably listen to this probably listen to this podcast right but they should if they are not <laughs> <laughs> But there's there's a bigger, it's a more complex picture in India. Like if you, as you go lower down the income ladder, which is majority of Indians, priorities are very different, right? Rules like bans of plastic or just being, oh, let's be more sustainable about how we consume, need to not be at the cost of accessibility. Like yeah, like hygiene and access to hygiene products for the poor is a game changer, right? I, how is it impacting their health? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not saying sachets are a good thing, but to your point, like there is a purpose of sachets, right? Yeah. So, if you're replacing, if you're saying, "Oh, ban all sachets," you better have an alternative in place that is as affordable, right? Because then it's we like, "Oh, unko let them smell. I will buy the nice like, you know, cuz I can afford to refill and buy these like really fancy like non-single use things." But so I think that's sometimes it's missed that that conversation is missed and we have to look at it holistically. Because again, remember, the, the climate change problem is not an environmental problem. It's a human problem because the earth is going to be fine. It'll, you know, it'll heat up and it'll spit all the humans out. It'll survive. We won't survive. So we have to kind of look at it from both perspectives. No, absolutely, absolutely. Correct. How did you think of making, you know, sunglasses? Like why sunglasses? Uh, yeah, so I think it's it's again these are like long stories and we we try to make very calculated decisions at Ashaya like we don't try and just jump into the deep end so when we knew that we had to get to product one of the reasons we went to product was because we wanted to build a financially viable business and because our process right now especially at small scale is a little bit more expensive we couldn't be economically viable selling materials and also you can't sell 
10 kilos of material. Nobody buys 10 kilos of material. They want to buy one ton of materials, right? But you can sell 500 sunglasses or 500 products. So we're like, okay, it makes sense to go to product because we were really reinventing the wheel in, in, in the material world. Nobody's ever used this material before, at least the one that we have. So then we're like, okay, we have to go to product. What product should we go for, right? So we did a whole brainstorming session. We, with many people, with groups of friends and volunteers, shortlisted 400 different products because we had limitations. You know? It had to be black because our material is black right now. It had to be like, lab choti hai hamari so we need to have like can't be a big product it has to be a small product so with all these limitations and then we like shortlisted for one out of 400 like about 70 we shortlisted and we did like a deep dive on like what are the you know average amazon searches for these products what are the prices margins how many competitors exist for this product on amazon for instance because we know we were doing e-commerce you know how excited were we to make this product you know how complex was the product and after all of that you know we landed on sunglasses for many reasons one was it was not too simple because, you know, you can make coasters and bricks and it's like, it's, it's easy, right? So like and almost any material can be used for that. And then it's not too complex. Like one of the things that, that scored really high was solar powered power banks, right? And I'm like, this is great, but we do, you know, circuitry and stuff makes it too complex. The sunglasses was like sufficiently complex and also has the ability to show off our properties because you can't just use any material for making sunglasses. You know, it's going to sit on your face. So it needs to be comfortable. It needs to be, have a smooth finish. It needs to hold, be able to hold things and, you know, like, uh, you know, then they're tiny, like in this thin, like thin thing. So it should not break easily and all of that. Sunglasses seem to be like a really good application. And we realized that it was a lot more complicated than we thought it was how to make, to make sunglasses because we do all the, uh, the, it in house. But that's how we came to sunglasses. Plus it was, and you know, to be honest, it's a statement good right like it's like hey it's sunglasses so we knew that from a story perspective it would be interesting as well because right now we wanted to kind of get the word out there that hey we can make these sunglasses with packets of chips but that's not the answer you know, this is just the beginning you know we have to go a long way and and it's not just about making sunglasses which is what's crucial right because people just put us like ah the guy who makes sunglasses or the company who makes sunglasses and chips packets which is very a microcosm of what we're trying to do right so um, no of course but it's a great like you said right it's a great statement as well coaster yes i mean but there are many people doing coasters and, and coasters are in the house somewhere right but sunglasses you wear and go out and someone says hey nice and no one says hey nice coasters and then there's a story and talk around it right yeah that's a way finding which has been so fascinating people are like talking about it more because it's like they're proud of their, this product right they're proud to wear it and i think and we we are proud to say that yeah like they should be because none of what we're doing is bullshit there's no greenwashing we're real we're, we're transparent about what we're not doing perfectly and where we can be better and we're trying really hard to make this as sustainable we really think it's the most sustainable sunglasses you'll ever own not just in an environmental perspective but also from a social perspective so so yeah and i think that is resonating that is connecting with people because and this is like corny i know but like when they wear these sunglasses it's not just wearing sunglasses right they feel like they're wearing change they're wearing something that means more and that's the, that's the angle we wanted to wanted to get at so anish what are the standout properties of the sunglasses? i mean you of course the very fact that they're made from mlp and there's no greenwashing involved very very sustainably made product right i also saw a story um or you know a post that you guys have done on the sturdiness of the frames right i think you rolled a car over the frames and it didn't break and you actually asked customers users to you know post their own stories if they've tried their hands at the same thing what else stands out about the product i mean how much of it is using your recycled mlp is there any virgin material involved and how recyclable itself is the product at the end of its life Great. So first, I want people get confused with this a lot is that 
the frames are the only thing made with MLP, right? The lenses are, we just source them from a general supplier. Like, and even the hinges are not made from MLP yet. We'll hopefully get to all of this like soon, but not soon, but in the future. But like it's even in all over the world, like we're not the first ones to do recycled sunglasses, right? They recycle sunglasses in other parts of other parts of the world. It's only the frame. It's never the lenses, right? Because the lenses are a more sophisticated thing. But yeah, we are the first recycled sunglasses made from packets of chips. Nobody's done it with packets of chips. So to answer your great question, Tanya, it's all very important. The first part is, so our material is 90% recycled MLP. And this is a true 90%. This is not some greenwash 90%. What does that mean? We don't use any virgin polymers or any conventional virgin polymers, but we use 10% of masala additives, right? And compatibilizers, right? And that's important to give it, to bind the material together in a way that it can give it, give it the mechanical properties. This is the pattern that we're about to file as well, right? And that's important. Now, many recyclers don't include additives on sometimes even compatibilizers in the calculation. Like we're almost doing this to our detriment where we could say that, where we could, I could at least say like 95%, you know, like recycled or, or even 100% because we add no conventional version polymers we add compatibilizers and we add additives but we don't want to do that we're like no this is 90 percent and 10 percent we do add things to spruce it up to give it the life it needs right so that's the how much of it's recycled it's, it's the frame and we don't add any other version conventional polymer from a recyclability perspective the frames are way more recyclable than the original mlp so if the original mlp has five materials the frames has two materials which is polypropylene polyethylene which is they're similar they have similar processing parameters so they you know they melt and they get processed at the same temperature but they're generally not very miscible so this is not a perfect thing and we want it to be monomaterial right that's the that's the holy grail but we don't want perfect to be the enemy of good right for us to get to separate out polyethylene polypropylene it's really hard it's even a, it's a more complex process right so it's something that we will explore in the future but it's like we don't want perfect to be the enemy of good and currently like polypropylene polyethylene already get mixed in the waste stream so they are similar enough so people are like you know that problem exists so first of all we also are offer end-of-life recycling. So if the sunglasses break, we'll come pick them up from you for free and we'll recycle them in-house. Obviously, we know how to recycle our sunglasses. But then that's not the answer, right? Like that could be the commercial corporate answer. But I mean, the truth is, no, very few people are going to actually go through the hassle of returning this. They, what if they're hiking and it falls and then it falls off a cliff somewhere, right? So the question is, if a recycler gets it, will they be able to recycle it, right? So we're running tests for this right now, actually, this in the next couple of weeks. But we are pretty confident that that it's going to be fine because... In the short run, it's going to be a small portion anyway. And it's also very, it's only two materials. So it's like, it's more, and they're very similar, similar process parameters. So it's not perfect, but we do think it's way more recyclable than the original MLP, right? Which is important. So fortunately, one of your sunglass users is also happens to be a friend. And Sonika gave me some very good feedback about the sunglasses. And she said that for a person who many sunglasses don't fit on, but this one was a perfect fit. So I know that the aim was not to design sunglasses, but how did you get the design so right? So like, yeah, I think what's important in the sustainability space, and I think the reason we connected with folks as well, is that just sustainable goods isn't enough, right? You might get some buys if it's sustainable because people feel good, but it needs to be a cool product. It needs to be something that you connect with, that is trendy, that, you know, if you're wearing sunglasses, you want to look good, right? And I think that we don't want to deny people that, right? Like, yeah, you should look good. So that was really important. And then in the beginning, we actually have a lot more ambition with design, but we were like, let's go for something that is conventionally safe, right? And the Wayfarer design now has been around for ages. So we, we took that as an inspiration 
inspiration to come up with what we came up with. We just made them even thicker than Wayfarers, which also helps our material because our material is lighter and more flexible. So the thicker it is, the, you get the right amount of sturdiness. So yeah, we designed, the whole thing has been designed in-house, right? But it's the beginning. Like the next two designs, the next design we're coming up with where it's going to be a little bit more out there. And I think less people are going to buy it, but at least it's more of like a unique, like, you know, it's statement. So we're excited to kind of get that out hopefully in the next few months. But yeah, I think the design is, so we wanted to be like the first product we knew was going to be just one size, one design, one color, because, you know, we didn't even know. Honestly, when we launched, we thought we'll sell like maybe 20, 30, get some initial feedback. And in the first week or so, and then you know, hopefully over the next three or four months, we'd sell like maybe 100, 200, 500. So we didn't expect the response that we've gotten so far, which we're very gr- grateful for and a little sad about because we're like, we can't, like, we're so backlogged. We have so many orders that we have to get deliver. And, and they don't sound like a lot of orders, but for a small, tiny lab, which is not built for this, uh, it is a lot. But we, we, we'll take that as a compliment. So yeah, we wanted to be basic. We wanted to be something that would fit everybody. And we already get so many requests. Like, can we get different colors? Can we get different designs? But the beauty of the material is that it is, uh, you know, it, it is adaptable. Like, oh, it, it's yeah, bendy, high time, right? High time. So <laughs> it's bendy, right? So, uh, so yeah. So like, for instance, like, you know, you, you can do this and nothing will happen to it, right? It'll, de- it'll deform, but then you can form it back to what you want to. So when you, especially when you wear it, people don't have consistent faces and then you have like consistent, like you have like three sizes in the iframe, in yeah. the iframe world. But like our material, because it bends in all ways, it, like when you put it onto your face, it'll just, it sometimes naturally adapts itself to people's faces, right? And because super light, and you know all of that it doesn't even seem like a burden <laughs> on your face so all that has turned out to be like really makes it like an actually decent we functional like you know to your point and a functional material right a functional thing and this yeah we ran a car over it and nothing happened and yeah it's bendy and all of that so well wow, that's amazing and kids will play with that as well you know bend this like that. yeah so i think that's what people are asking for like hey like can you make this for children and all of that is, is that becoming a distraction from what you really wanted to do you should make frames for kids because they keep breaking them yeah i know right like recurring customers yeah no i think look yeah you're right is it a distraction maybe or maybe not you know i had a, a call with an investor yesterday and he really pushed back on this like you have to commit like are you taking you know you're gonna do materials you're gonna do products you know b2c is real you have to kind of find the right balance and i don't we we haven't settled on on that yet you know we kind of thinking it will be a bit of both because what we found is that the value of this of the material increases because now people see that there's applications of it that make sense. So the fact that we made sunglasses, suddenly people are like, oh, this material, I want this material and I'm going to pay a premium for it. But if we didn't make these sunglasses, we wouldn't get that bow, right? We wouldn't get that attention. So yeah, so there's, there's a different place here. I don't know. Right now, we want to be in the divergent phase uh, because see our single focus. So when people say we're not focused, I'm like, we're very focused. Our single focus is monetization of the waste so that we can sustain our impact and our growth and our sustain, I mean, and our financial sustainability, right? That is the most important piece, whether it's sunglasses, whether it's materials, whether it's products. What is the simplest way to do that at the right margins, right? Not at a, not at a loss. And that's the tricky part, right? Why was it worth going the mile, extra mile with sunglasses? It was tough. It was really tough. It took us two years to come out of the, of the product and people were on my case. Like, what are you doing? Whoa. You're just like, you're never going to come out. I mean, the product or anything like that. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to put out a shit product. I mean, we could have put out coasters ages ago, right? Like, but then, then it's just not the same oomph, right? So, but it's one of those things where, you know, until we launched, we didn't know. Like I told the team, like this is a very, very um, important moment, like a point of inflection for us, right? We might just completely crash, crash in the sense that oh, no one's going to care, like can't he care, or we'll do really well. Or I, th- I thought what the most probable outcome was that we'll get like, oh, pretty cool. And then that's it, right? Uh, and then like not really, we thought we'd be like a medium, like, ah, huh, chalo, move on. 
But I think we outperformed our expectations a little bit. So that was that was good. So team is happy, but we're not celebrating yet, which they might hate me for. But I'm like, until we get that 500th order out, you know, it's good to sell 500 over more now, but that was our goal to sell 500 in the first three months. But we did that in the first four days. Only when we get the 500th out, you know, do we want to celebrate? Because, you know, that's the true, like, you know, selling a ticket, but like, we need to you know, deliver. So talk about the team because there is so much going on here, right? I mean, you're designing something, uh, you're patenting something. How big is the team? Who are running it? What kind of a role you have there? Talk about that. So yeah, we're a really tiny team, I think, for what we do, but I'll leave that for you and the audience to judge. But we're six full-time staff that work on this. We have six waste pickers who work with us on a part-time basis. They work four hours a day helping, you know, with the entire process. And yeah, and we have an intern as well who helps out. So that's the team. It's mainly engineers and scientists and operators. So I'm not any of that, but I mean, I'd say I'm an operator, but I'm not an engineer or a scientist. But the thing is, as, as a startup founder, you, you don't have the luxury of being like, ha, I won't do like we, like the amount of books I've read on plastics and the amount of papers you've read on like mechanical engineering, especially with plastic, plastics engineering and polymer science, you have to kind of get involved, right? But no, so like the, the research scientist who's been with me from the beginning, Dr. Jitain Sandani, he obviously he's played a pivotal role in getting us to where we are, right? Cause he, you know, like I'd never used acid in my life, like not the drug, like the, actual like sulfuric acid to like you know to do some of the work that we do and for him he's like oh yeah sulfuric acid how come you just do this and i'm like dude it's sulfuric acid i've heard like crazy shit about that so obviously it was very good to have that was the first person i hired at ashaya was uh, somebody who could bring that technical element into the game and i really value that right but again we're on the edge of science so a lot of the people have learned more on the job than they've learned in school right because we're doing all these things that nobody else is doing so it's been really great the team is amazing really lucky to have a team of folks who who are super committed to the cause, who love the work that they do and are genuinely nice people. And I know everybody says this about their company, so it's like nobody's going to believe me. But it's really lucky. Like we don't, there's no drama. Everyone is looking out for each other. There's no cutthroat competition. Like it's just really like, you know, it's really pleasant. I mean, it's not always we fight and stuff. It's not always like that, but it's like very healthy, you know. And we've been, at least until now, we haven't, I was very particular that we don't work crazy hours, right? It's not like, oh, startup hai to pura, cut your, you know, cut your hand and bleed till, till you survive. <laughs> no, no, no. Like that's really not uh, the strategy. Like for, like for a long period of time, we had four and a half day work week, right? We we're the only company in Pune probably having a four and a half day work week. Uh, but obviously now when we launch, we've, everyone's like, yeah. uh, like to, today, it's like, uh, today my team is in the lab putting, uh, putting orders together. And I was like, and this is not because I told them to do it. They uh, are like a head of ops who's like, this like this legend, Suraj, came to me. He's like, Anish, I'm going to call the team to work in on Saturday. I'm like, dude, like make it optional at least, you know, don't like, you know, this is, we worked the last week, you know, we took the last weekend off, but the weekend before that we worked like full, like both the days and like he's been working nonstop. I'm like, just, you know, make it optional. And then I called today and he's like, yeah, everyone's at work, you know? So, so people understand what we're trying to do. And I don't even have to like, you know, say anything. I mean, they also see that it's not like I'm just chilling and like, you know, having a beer. Like we're all on this together, working hard on things that we, you know, everyone's working hard. They're, everyone's like, so they're trying to get orders out and I'm doing customer service, you know, people are complaining, come milling every, you know, Every like two, three hours, I get like, when's my sunglasses coming? So, you know, that's, the, that's my detail uh, stuff, delivery issues, weight disputes. So like you, you end up being that, you know, you end up like, and we're also trying to raise funds right now. So we have many investor calls. So it's like, it's so, it's so intense right now, right? Like for everybody. And I think what we're trying to say, what I'm trying to say, this is a special time in our life as a company, right? Because 
We're just in that point where we've launched, we've gotten good response. This is obviously not sustainable. We're not going to work like this. I don't, I don't want to build a company that's like, oh, you're just, all you do is work. But it is a special time. And, and I'm sorry, it's long, I know this is a long answer, but it's been really nice to have the support system that I, that I have. We as a, as a group, it's very much, you know, we're in this together kind of thing. Very good. Companies are at such states for very interesting periods of time and then they create magic out of it and I hope you are there as well and you get to create the magic as well. Fingers crossed. Still early days. <laughs> so Anisha, Ashaya itself is you know much more than a plastic recycling and sunglass making company, right? Talk about some of the social impact that Ashaya is creating and where also do you see yourself uh, you know a few years from now? Where do you want to be? Yeah, so on a personal level, my burning or like the thing, the cause I care a lot about is poverty. I think it's a man-made injustice and, and, and that's what drew me to India and to the waste management space is the idea of waste pickers. And I just thought that it was a very complex problem that is not just about waste. It's also about this, the, the woes of the waste pickers, right? And again, in, in India, if you want to work on waste, you cannot ignore or leave behind the informal sector you have to if anything incorporate them and push them out of poverty and if you're displacing them it has to be a positive displacement to better livelihoods not a negative displacement right so that's very core to us like for example we only hire waste pickers right now on a part-time basis why we don't want to promise them things we can't deliver still a startup only a month ago went in sale we didn't know how long we'd be survived for we don't know what will happen we move cities so i don't want them to like break their current structures of income like moonlighting is encouraged for waste pickers because uh you know because it's easy okay if i you know if it's all fails and i can i'll be fine you know but for them they're making more of a risk generally but yeah so we have six waste pickers working with us part-time and they all have earning two to three times more money either in total income or at least or on an hourly basis because they're working less hours and making more money they, i think this is dignified labor we formalize them we give them contracts we give them but the thing is i don't treat them any different from anybody else right we don't give them special treatment but we don't treat them like how everybody else treats them or has well, not everybody else but like how they have been treated in the past so that's an easy win you know and it's so sad that it's such an easy like i'm just treating them like you know they get pay slips you know but oh, they never get pay slips why because they don't have emails like who how do they get pay slips? So we print pay slips and give them they never get contracts many of them can't read properly but we still give them contracts i put an indian a hindi translation at the back and i'm like at least your kids can read so like you know maybe i know this contract doesn't mean much to you and all of that but like it is at least a symbol of like of like hey we're trying to make them and i want to we want to do more this is just the beginning so that's the first thing we're building the process in such a way that 50 to 75 percent of can be done by waste pickers working right alongside scientists and engineers right and this is really important not above them not below them it's not like tum karo sab or hum sab. it's like no let's just you know let's just work together there's some strengths that they have that we are not good at strengths that we have that they're not very good at and let's find that right balance right so that's what we're doing and then we also 10 percent of our sales goes towards scholarships for their children so that they stay in school we also buy our waste directly from waste pickers so this is additional income for them because nobody buys this waste right uh, so i mean these are, again in this in the larger scheme of things these are very small things that we're doing and i don't think this is the answer but in the long term success metric around the social impact side is like how do how many waste pickers can we permanently uplift out of multi-dimensional poverty so not just income but access to healthcare, access to education access to good livelihoods access to dignity i mean just dignity right so and this is complex there's no sweep all you know one solution for this like you have to work closely with them like one of the things we care about a lot is psychological health of these waste pickers like many people some of the waste pickers we worked with you know struggle with alcohol issues and then you know it's very easy to be like ye pite. i'm like i also drink I'm allowed to get drunk on the weekend. Why isn't that person allowed to get drunk on the weekend, right? And then you all start realizing that it's more complex than that. You start realizing that there are deeper rooted issues, right? That, and then you can't discuss them. Like we as affluent 
people, I'm assuming people listen to this, we are now starting to take our mental health seriously, right? And we already live generally more comfortable lives when it comes to, you know, income. Now, for a lot of the poorer population in India and the world, mental health isn't even diagnosed as a potential issue, right? And it's super hard to even do something about it. And they live tougher lives. So they have to be really strong. And so that's something that we want to explore at a deeper level as well. Like instead of trying to like frame them as, ah, ye pita hai, to like, hey, what is, like, why? What's going on? You know, like, is there a fix? Is this person got malintent? And the reason I speak a lot, so I, my answer is long, but the reason I want to spend more time on this is that, that I want to explain to people, and investors also don't get this, by the way, even impact investors don't get this, that this is complex. I don't have an answer. Like, oh, ye karenge to sab theek ho jayega. No, it's like, it's so complex. And humans are the most complex things. I mean, science is much easier than humans, right? So yeah, I think so it's very important to us. We're doing work we really it's at the center and this is our biggest issue in general right we're trying to do too many things and but there's no other way to solve this problem we have to be able to find that right balance about looking at this holistically and that's what's the toughest thing we're doing here is that you know we're not trying to be a typical company that's focused on do one thing really well and then make lots of money i'm like yeah i wish i could just making money right now or just focusing on making money would be so much like easier, at least from a headspace perspective. <laughs> like you're like, ah, oh, I don't have to worry about paying anybody better or like the environmental issues. Just build up, build an app. I'm trying to get as many people to use the app. That would be like, you know, so, so much easier. <laughs> sure. But I'm not in this for any of that, right? So this is not about making money. It's about trying to solve social and environmental problems. Very interesting. And, and thanks for explaining. I mean, we love long answers because... I wonder if the audience is like, oh, that's what <laughs> Both of us are reasonable. <laughs> yeah, both of us are kind of introvert. Tanya is very introvert. So, you know, we, we like it when the other person talks a lot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I think only only I am Kenshuk uh, between the two of us. I agree, I agree. I didn't want to single you out. That's the, that's the reason. Uh, you mean you didn't want to single yourself out? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think we'll have both singled each other out now. <laughs> so, Anish, you did explain that Indian recycling is actually comparable or better than many other countries. How do you see the recycling infrastructure and ecosystem in India 10 years from now? Do you think it's run by large corporates? Do you think it's local? you think it's going to be a lot of waste workers engaged with the ecosystem to create social enterprises? How does it look to you? I mean, to be honest, it's going to be a combination of all of those things, right? It's never going to be just one thing. If we can make the impact we want to make, we want to push the model towards being more decentralized, which means that you want to handle the waste as locally as possible because waste is a local problem, right? Waste generated in Sikkim versus Pune is different. Yeah, it's similar in certain ways, but it's also different, right? And it needs to be, and more importantly, it needs to be treated as close to the source as possible. Because the more you transport waste, the more it rots, the more like rodents get attracted to it, the more issues there are, right? We're really pushing for a decentralized model, but that is against current norms and current incentives because it's easier to centralize things. It's easier to do specialize and make money on just recycling one element or one thing, right? So we're trying to push for that. And the biggest critique we get is that, hey, everybody agrees. Like everybody in the waste management space agrees that this is a decentralized problem. Nobody will disagree. Then they'll be like, good luck. It's just hard, right? It's not going to, I mean, it's just hard to do, right? So, but then that's never an argument for us. Like if it's, none of this, what we're doing is easy and we're supposed to try and do hard things to solve problems. So anyway, so I, I hope it's more decentralized in the next five or 10 years. And I hope, but there'll be some combination of both, right? And I think definitely 
when we say waste picker involvement, it's not like people are like viciously against waste pickers and people are pushing waste pickers away. Like I think they are getting more and more involved. Most waste companies now are like at least aware that you can't ignore the informal sector. Yeah. There were varying degrees of commitment to it. Some of it's more like CSR, check the box, hum kar rahe, nobody can yell at us. But that I don't think is enough, right? Because that's easier to do and you can check a box, but we don't think that's a check, checking the box thing. Uh, so yeah, I think it'll be inclusive. I think it'll be definitely be progress because this is front and center. The government is very supportive of like Swachh Bharat and recycling in general. It's, it's a very, it's a non-debate. Like nobody wants more waste. Like, you know, it's like, it's not, this is not necessarily a bipartisan, like, you know, like issue. Everyone's, everybody wants a cleaner city. Everybody wants recycling. I mean, there are different opinions on how we can get there. But I think yeah, no, not many people are against the idea of waste, which is nice, right? Because we're not trying to like have philosophical discussions with people that are like anti. I mean, there's some of it, but not not a lot, right? Uh, sure. So that's what I see. In the next 10 years, I think there'll be a lot more recycling, a lot more resource recovery, a lot more inclusive, hopefully more decentralized, but it'll probably be a combination of both. Uh, there's, there's something, there's an attraction to waste of value. People like this transformation. People like, it's like magic. It is like, I think it's magic. It's so cool. When we, when we did, when I was in the lab and we were doing these experiments, I was like, oh, we added this one thing and now everything changed and it's like now beautiful and it's like, it's really magical. So it's cool. One last question about Ashaya. So you said that you tried to do the difficult things, right? I mean, recycling, MLPs. What else in future would you like to recycle? See, we have a vision of what we think is the solution, which is a decentralized solution where you where you recycle all plastic, not all plastic, recycle all waste as close to source as possible. You incorporate the waste pickers, empower them out of poverty, and you build financially sustainable recycling units, right? Decentralized recycling units. So that's our vision. Now, what I've learned in my life is that the best way to prove that it works is by doing it. Uh, trying to convince somebody about it is much harder and getting somebody else to do it is much harder. So we're kind of trying to put like, hey, just try to lead by example is what we're trying to do. Like, hey, we'll just do it. Same with the MLP. Nobody believed we could do it. Everybody's laughed at us. Everybody's still laughing at us. Huh? Sunglasses, nothing else is going to work. But by doing it, you just get a lot more credibility, right? So I think that's what we're trying to do in the next five years. That, hey, let's try and build out the decentralized model in Pune where you're trying to process waste not just chips packets, but then we'll move to all plastic, right? Because it's a natural progression and we have the knowledge. Then we'll move to e-waste, we'll move to wet waste, we'll move to other waste because it's, it's one look at the whole, whole structure. And it doesn't mean that we have to come up with technology for everything, right? Like that's never the plan. The goal is to monetize the waste and recycle it, right? <laughs> and make sure waste pickers are involved. So if somebody else has technology that makes sense to execute on, we would incorporate that. Even the patterns that we're filing, people are like, we've gotten some hate on like LinkedIn, I think. One of, one of the viewers like, ah, oh, you're filing patterns. You're, just, you're trying to protect this technology. Nobody can use it. And I'm like, the only reason we're filing for patents, and you can ask my team about this. I've said this even before we launched, is for credibility, man. Like, if we get credibility, like investors don't take us seriously. They don't believe that our tech is good because we're so impact impact. Everyone thinks that, ha, sala non-profit. There's some non-profit that's not trying to do any good real work. They're just trying to do all this fairy tale work, right? So patent gives us credibility. So we were very open to open sourcing the patents out in the future. And if anything, protect it from exploitation, right? That's if anything, even if we can, we probably can't, but if anything you want to, you know, and if we can make some money off of it that can help sustain our impact, whether it's licensing abroad, then that's great, right? But that is not the goal. The goal is not to hold the technology back from anybody. So yeah, so in the, in the long run, we want to build this out, whether it's other people's technology or our technology, whether it's partnering with somebody, we can't do this ourselves. Can't you? If you want to solve this problem, it has to be a collaboration. So, but can we do the hard things that other people are unwilling to do? And can we try and pioneer that? And are we willing to compromise that? Like I've put a lot of my own money into this, right? And that's why, you know, to kind of be like, hey, look, we're willing to take these risks. Hopefully that gives people some, you know, gives us some clout 
in the space, you know. And then when you have clout and power and space in the space, then hopefully you use that to do good things. Like we've, I mean, like we've amended, we're the only, one of the only companies, at least startups that I know of that has, we've amended our memorandum of association, MOAs to legally bind us to our impact, to make us impact first, because my morality isn't enough, right? Like, okay, I'm trying to be your, but it's, our company is much bigger than that. Uh, so we're trying to do all these things. You know, we didn't file for a nonprofit because we are like, it's too restrictive sometimes. You can't move as quickly. There are lots of bureaucracy. The private limited route makes us move faster. When people like Nathan, because it's a and I'm like, no, it's a tool, you know. So we've amended MOAs to kind of be like, no, look, we're, we're serious about this, right? It's in our constitution now. So yeah, so we really want to try and champion that over the next five or 10 years. And then if it works, then it's such a hard thing. If it works, that it's going to be very easily adapted across the board, right? Like the government's going to want to do this. It's a no-brainer, right? Every It's like you're trying out a utopia and if you even get close to it, then it should be easy to replicate. So the next step is very important for us where we prove this, we're trying to prove this out at a much larger scale. You know, we're doing five kilos a day now when we will do... 100 kilos a day at least you know that's also not very big but let's start with 100 kilos of mlp a day let's see if we can move 100 kilos of mlp in the sense that can we get products out and sustain that like you know it's like sunglasses isn't gonna be the only thing that does that so so that's the real challenge and and then look this is a 10 20 30 40 year like problem right like so i'm dedicating myself to here like this is the problem i want to spend the rest of my life solving and yeah and i'm very lucky to be in that position, to be able to do this without, you know, being negatively impacted significantly. I and mean, in fact, I love what we do. And yeah, I'm very lucky to do this. And again, and the last thing I say is not to be like the hero. It's literally for my own sanity. That's the most important thing, right? It's for my own peace of mind, self-worth, and can get into that. And it's not to be the hero. It has to be much bigger than more than about me. It's not about me. So, uh, which is like an easier said than done. So we try to live it, but I'll leave that to your discretion, to your judgment. Hey, wow, thanks. I mean, that's a that's a great answer. And it's so inspiring to hear you talk. And we hope that whatever you aspire to do, all of that comes true. Thanks a lot for taking time out. Thank you so much for your time, Anish. I, I hope our podcast makes your product reach a lot more people. And um, they are as excited about, you know, hearing about MLP being made into sunglasses and other products in the future, possibly. As I was, my friend from Canada sent the link to me, you know, at some two in the morning. And I think I stayed up that night just researching and, you know, talking to her about it till much later. And yeah, I, I hope um, you quickly also go from 100 kgs a day to 1000 kgs a day. No, thank you both Kinshik and Tanya for the great questions and for, for giving me the platform to even have this conversation I really uh, appreciate it and this was fun and thank you for listening to me my long winding <laughs> answers so patiently so. no it's very entertaining thank you so much I think this will be my first sunglasses I've never <laughs> used sunglasses in the past I don't wear sunglasses that much man <laughs> this is for me also I'm like oh you know so no, it's okay we're in the same boat hopefully we'll get other products for you this year. Like we're doing lamp <laughs> we're working on lamps as well right now so hopefully you want to get those out in the next few months as well so. very interesting alright thanks a lot and all the best Thank you for the positive responses, feedbacks, and please continue writing to us. You can reach us at greenshoots.pehle at gmail.com. That's greenshoots.pehley at gmail.com. We will see you again soon with something very engaging and very entertaining. Please keep supporting us with all the love. Thank you.